Praise the Lord. Wonderful music. Thank you for singing Victory Through Grace. Man, I can just preach a whole nother hour like I did this morning. I was excited. I promise I won't do that tonight. My voice can't take it. But, uh, you know, one of my favorite songs to sing in the John Rice book is I Want That Mountain. Well, this hymn book doesn't have it. Now I know because, uh, now Victory Through Grace is one of my favorites. The Herb Sir Trio sings that song. And I literally, for probably about two months for the hymns, every morning I listened to it. And even was the alarm on my phone. So now I know it's in our hymnal. I didn't know that. So now that's a dangerous thing, knowing, but uh, praise the Lord for that. Amen. Victory through the grace of Christ. What's that? Amen. Yes. Well, I saw that you sent out the thing and that it was in there. I was like, I'm excited, man. I was looking forward to tonight seeing that. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 4 tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. Excuse my croaky voice. I strained it a little bit this morning. Um, I'm probably going to strain it a little bit more tonight, okay? But uh, we were looking at, you know, I I believe that God blesses his word. And I think tonight is going to be a good reminder for some of us, a challenge for others, and uh, maybe, and then a good uh, encouragement for those who have already made this decision. I mentioned Wednesday night uh, that we're going to be talking about slogan-based Christianity. And so what does that really mean? I know we've been, we started last week a series on the family. We're actually going to be picking that up on Wednesday. So we were both, instead of doing it this morning, because we had a patriotic message, we're going to pick that up Wednesday. So Wednesday and Sunday morning, we're going to get back-to-back messages on the family. And uh, really looking forward to going through those. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 4 tonight, uh, we would need to be grounded in the Word of God. On uh, Ephesians chapter 4, talks to us about that and that we need to be mature Christians. In the day and age we live in, uh, you know, we can be, uh, we look at the winds of change, right? We hear that phrase uh, and see the change coming, you know, we have a wind coming from this direction and a wind over here. Uh, We're talking about maybe the winds of the different beliefs and doctrines that are out there. Uh, It's not just a breeze here and there, it's a hurricane, of different things that are going on, going different directions, a tornado, if you will, of different things. And as God's people, do we know 100% why we believe what we believe? Do we believe something simply because that's what the preacher said, or do we believe it because we know it says it in the Word of God? And as your pastor, I challenge you, and you hear me say this often, don't take my word for it. Make sure you get in the Word of God and see it for yourself. Uh, And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight because I'm afraid that there is an epidemic of what we call slogan-based Christianity. And I'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, This comes out of, I was listening to an apologist the other week and he mentioned something. And it really stuck with me because it's so true. And that's what I'm going to be presenting some of the thought process, the seed thought, but then went a little bit of a different direction with it tonight. But if we could stand out of respect for the ring of the Word of God, Ephesians 4, uh, verses 14 through 16 tonight. That we henceforth be no more, what? Children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every, what? Wind of doctrine, by the slight of man, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even who? Christ. For whom the whole body, 
fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I pray that you be with the message tonight. And Lord, you buried my heart with this. For Lord, we see that this is an issue, but Lord, one that we can correct. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the desire to grow in you and to not be tossed around with all the winds of doctrine that come. It seems every day there's a new book, there's a new thought, a new way of doing things, Lord. But your word is true and never changing. I pray tonight that we ground ourselves in it. We pray that you bless our time together. Give me the words to say, Lord, and be with my voice this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Slogan-based Christianity. So what's the point of this passage? And if you want to put it in a simple phrase beginning in verse number 14, Paul says, okay, it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to stop being children because children are gullible, aren't they? You know, you can tell children things. You know, why do so many kids believe in Santa Claus, right? No adult believes in Santa Claus. I hope not tonight. But you believe in Santa Claus, you know, if you didn't know he's not real, I'm sorry to burst the bubble for you. Uh, you know, I remember in college, I remember somebody said, well, Santa Claus is not real. And this is a freshman in college, and he's like, he isn't? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, we can be gullible sometimes, okay? And children, we, they tend to believe what they're taught. That's why they need to be taught the right things. It's so important. Again, amen to that. Uh, because we look at these things. Now, that's why we need to be careful in our kids' education. We need to be careful in the influences around them. Uh, because not only do they learn what they're taught, they also catch what they're not taught. And they always seem to catch the bad things. Right, uh, they tend to catch those things. Why? Because they're sinners, like we are. Uh, we le- looked at that last week, but tonight we're going to look at number one tonight. So I have three points, very easy points. I don't have slides up for them. You can follow along. Uh, number one tonight: the slogans of the world. I'm going to illustrate what we're talking about here. You know, how many of you ever seen a good advertising? slogan, right? Uh, things that we remember. Uh, maybe you remember things from your childhood uh, and things that maybe, you know, you remember the old Barbasol uh, slogans and things like that uh, back in the day. And maybe even more recently, you know, you remember um, Pepsi and Coke. And the strange thing is I was thinking, I don't remember any right now, uh, but I <laughs> my memory is kind of shot right now. But we all know of good slogans, okay? Uh but so many today in our culture have slogans they live by. You know, equality for all, right? That's what we hear today. We need equality. Everyone's on the same plane. You know, like that's some novel news. We find that in the Word of God. All are created equal in the eyes of God. Amen. That's not a novel idea today. It seems to be today. But it, God already penned that. Amen. Uh, but that's, you know, when people hear that and they hear that slogan, that's right. We need equality for all, especially when you're going to get money. You know, uh, and I want to adopt that. And that's right. I believe in that. And then they put the bumper sticker on their car. Equality for all. Right. You know, what's the other one today? Well, love is love. Right. Love is love. You know, whether it's, you know, a man and a woman or a man and a man, a woman and a woman, a man and a cow. It doesn't matter. Love is love. Right. And that's how crazy the world is today. Or an adult and a child. That's where we're going. Uh, and love is love. He's like, yeah, that's right, love is love because I want to be accepted. You know, I agree with that. People shouldn't be told that they can't love one another. I'm going to accept that one, slap that one on my car. I have rights. 
right? I have rights. I have a certain, you know, we have a certain unalienable rights and we do given to us by God, but, you know, I have rights. That's right, I have rights because it elevates me. What I want, what I desire. You know, what's one we know from Sprite? If it feels good, do it. That's right, I like that. That's right, I'm going to adopt that one. I'll slap that one on my back of my car or put that on my laptop or something, what they do now, you know. Uh, decorate it somewhere. If it feels good, do it. That's right, yeah, I'm going to do it because it feels good. That's right. They adopt slogans that appeal to them and feel good to them, but many times do not consider the implications of said slogans. They said, oh, I like that. I mean, that really appeals to me. You know, I'm just going to add that in. I'm going to live by that. I'm going to say that. I'm going to parrot that, but not really understanding what the implications are. Here are some religious slogans that you may hear from people as we go when we knock on doors. I've heard these many times. Uh, you know, God only cares about my heart. He doesn't care about my outside. Ever seen those shirts? Only God can judge me. Right? See that? And usually it's in a, well, I can do what I want and be what I want, so only God can judge me. That's He sure will. He sure will. And He already has. So only God can judge me, saying, you can't judge me. You can't judge what I'm doing is wrong. You can't judge what I say is wrong. Only God can. Oh, he will. And he tells us what his judgment is in his word. But you know what? That's what they think about that. Well, God only cares about my heart. He doesn't care about the outside. He only cares about what's in the inside. You know, and only God can know that. So that's all care. Or some say, well, God doesn't exist. You know, I'm an atheist. I don't believe God exists. You know, religion and the Bible are a crutch. I've had people say that to me. Oh, the Bible is just a crutch. That's what you're weak and you just need it as a crutch. The same people that drink beer and do drugs and take pills. That's their crutch. Instead, the word of God is liberation and freedom. The perfect law of liberty is not a crutch. If you treat it like one, then you're using the Bible incorrectly. It's as a weapon, not a crutch. Truth for you is not truth for me. We hear that one a lot. Relativism. Truth is not, you know, truth for me is not truth for you. You know, it might be true for you, but that doesn't apply to me. And you know what? It wouldn't be unthinkable uh, years ago to think that Christians would be saying that, that, well, yeah, that's your truth. That's what the Holy Spirit spoke to you about, but he didn't speak to me about it. Right? And that, that was unthinkable. That's very common today. Well, that's preaching. You know, the Lord hasn't spoken to me about it. Well, then maybe you need to change your spiritual hearing aid or something. I don't know. Uh, because if God's word says it ought to do something in our hearts, either you're not saved or you're in sin, one or the other. Truth for you is not truth for me. The Bible has errors and contradictions. And didn't you know that? How can you trust a book that has errors in it? And on and on we can go. Can I ask you something? Whenever you're confronted with that, uh, when you're confronted, especially with an atheist, you know what I like to ask people? Why are you an atheist? They don't expect that. They expect, oh, you ungodly person, and they expect the Christian to run, but then I say, why are you an atheist? Well, I just don't believe there's a God. Why? So you're either going to get three responses from them. One, they're going to say, well, I don't really know. I never really thought about it. Two, they're going to refuse to talk to you about it. Or three, they actually thought through said statement, and they actually have a reason why. Can I tell you, of all the people, the atheists I've met, they've only given me, only one's given me a reason. All the other ones, it's slogan-based. They like what it sounds, they've heard it, they've it felt good to them, and they've adopted it, but they can't defend it. They don't even understand why they believe it. And on and on we could go, but 
challenge those people to defend or explain their positions, and most of them cannot. It is something they just saw on YouTube or TikTok, and they believe it because it suits them. Now, we expect the world to be that way. Amen. We expect the world to be that way. They're unstable in all their ways. We expect that. But I'm sorry, what we do not expect is the Christian to be this way. However, this is what we continue to see is becoming more and more relevant. So let's get back to our passage in Ephesians chapter 4. So let's look at number one, the slogans of the world. So we just looked at those. Number two, let's look at the slogans of the church. The slogans of the church. Now, can I just say this? What I'm about to say, these are not intended to be slogans. Amen. What I'm about to say are important truths and doctrines of the Word of God. They're not intended to be slogans. What I'm talking about is that Christians treat them like they are slogans, just like we talked about what the world, how the world treats them. So let's look here. Verse number 14. We henceforth be no more children. So if you're a child, you're considered immature. You haven't grown. We talked about this the other week, about that we need to desire to sincere uh, milk of the Word, but that we don't stay there. We need to have what? Meat need to be able to handle some things and be able to rightly divide the word of truth. And what happens when you're still a child and you're still in the milk stage and you're immature in your faith, you can be deceived, tossed to and fro. Once Now when you're over here and then a wind blows you over here and another wind, so it makes you unsettled. Ever met somebody that's just an unsettled type of person? They change their mind every five minutes about things. You know, will they believe one thing one week and then another week, you know, different things like that? You know, we can, ask my wife if she knows anybody like that. You know, sometimes we can be unsettled, especially when the wind begins to blow and the storms. We can become unsettled. You know what? The only thing that's going to settle you and that's going to ground you is God's word. That's the only thing that's going to keep you where you need to be at. Now, we're talking about doctrine here. And so when we see a new doctrine come down the pike, guess what? If you stay tuned into CBN or any of these other places, you're going to hear all these interesting doctrines come down about the Bible, about God, about Christ. You know, we see all these things coming on down the, down the pike. And you know what? It seems there's a new book every week. You know, they have this figured out and that figured out. You know, I'm not against good Christian books, but make sure you know who you're reading. I tell you something, and this is, um, I was listening to one, I think it was, I think it was, you know, it's a lot of people, you know, conservative people, you know, have you ever heard of Alistair Begg? Have you ever heard of him? Ever heard of Alistair Begg? So have you heard, okay, good preacher, but he was preaching on one of the Psalms, specifically this one, when David said, you know, uh, where, where can I go? Right? If I ascend into heaven, behold, thou art there. If I make my bed in where? No, wait, it's Sheol. It's not hell. It is Sheol. But this translated hell for a reason. Amen. Oh, it's translated that way for a reason. So he decided to go off on the side trail and explain things, go ahead and explain around the passage. And I'm sorry, that's not what it says. Made it palatable to our culture today. I said, that's really a shame because many times he does get it right. And I was listening to that. I said, that's what, what we have going on. We have these winds coming in and winds that are changing things. You know what? That we can begin to change our thinking about what God intends us to know in these passages of Scripture and begin to change our doctrine and change the way things... My mind went blank there. To change the way we 
view things and how we view God and how we view even salvation. We can be tossed to and fro. Let's look at some of those. Um, you know, too many in churches today have slogans they live by. Here it is, you know, they say, you know, I'm so glad your church and believes in traditional marriage. Amen. I'm so glad your church believes in traditional marriage. Hold on a second. Can we just talk, pause for a moment? Uh, it's not traditional marriage. It's biblical marriage. Amen. Amen. Because tradition is the tradition of man. Biblical marriage. One man, one woman for a lifetime. That's biblical marriage. And we say, well, that's, and we like that. We, you know, we believe in family values and we believe in that. And we just, yes. So we believe in that until a family member comes out gay. Oh, but it's okay. You know, love is love, you know. And then we pull out that slogan. That happens a lot. Is marriage between a man and a woman or is it changed now because it doesn't suit you? You have to be careful. Make sure that you know what you believe. But if you just have the slogan, I believe in the infallibility of the word of God. Amen. It's infallible. We can stand upon it. We can stand rock solid. But... Then, when someone comes to you and says, well, you know, it has this error right here. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know I had an error here. By the way, anybody that says the Bible has errors in it, tell them to show it to you. They can't, 99% of the time, they can't show it to you. Or they bring what are considered, we call them problem passages. They're really not a problem, just their understanding is a problem many times. And there's very simple explanations, all of them. I love David Cloud's book on that, uh, about these problem passages. He explains them very clearly, very easily. Oh. I didn't know that. That was easy. We have to make sure that when we come to the word of God that, well, it has a mistake because I don't understand it. No, we've made a mistake because we don't understand it. That's how we have to view the word of God. Uh, I believe in the virgin birth of Christ. You know what? I believe in that. Amen. But you don't, you can't show a single verse as to why you do believe that. Christ is the only way to heaven. That's right. Jesus is the only way. You know, that's a slogan, right? I'm so glad I'm saved. Amen. Well, on and on we could go. But what do you mean by saved, though? Just because someone says they're saved doesn't mean they biblically are. Amen. Oh, trust me. I've had every name, every reason in the book for, sal- for saved. I said, are you saved? That's why I stopped asking people this. Are you saved? Oh, yes, I am. Well, wonder, how did you get saved? Oh, I got baptized. Oh, I got confirmed. Oh, I always went to church. Oh, my mom and dad, are, my dad's a preacher. On and on, every excuse you could put in there. And except the only right one is, well, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's the only right one. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh on the Father but by me. But we can adopt that. That's right, I'm saved. You know what? We can have... Living by faith, right? We sing that hymn. Living by faith. Praise God. Amen. I'm living by faith, but then your life is consumed with worry whenever it suits you. There is nothing wrong with any of these statements. By the way, nothing wrong at all. Amen. These are biblical truths. What is wrong is that too many Christians cannot open a Bible and show you where these truths can be found. They know they believe it because the preacher said it, or mom and dad said it, or a Sunday school teacher said it, but... They can't tell you from the word of God because, you know, can I just tell you something? If you hear that and accept it because you liked how it sounded, you liked the ring to it, can I tell you something? Then someone else can come to you and tell you something that you like the ring of that too that contradicts exactly what God's word says. 
If you are able, if that's how you base what you believe on, well, it just has a right ring to it. I think I'm a good judge of what's true and what isn't. Guess what? Then you're setting yourself up for deception. You need to know what the Word of God says. That's what it's talking about here. It said that you need to be no more children. Don't be gullible. Because there's people out there that want to deceive you. Not every preacher that stands up and preaches is wants to tell you the truth. Now, all the ones I try my best, all the ones that stand behind this pulpit, now I understand there might be some differences on things and interpretation on a few different things. That's not what I'm talking about. But there are preachers that get up on Sundays or whatever day of the week or they get on the television set or they get on the radio or they go before a congregation and they tell you something that they know is not true from the Word of God, but they want to tell you it to you anyway. That's why they're called false prophets and false teachers. And why is the reason of that? The Bible tells us their God is their belly. And they get up and they tell people what they want to hear. They get up and tell people what suits the culture, what suits what's going on, so that they will come and then they will give money. And that is unfortunate. And do you wonder why when you talk to people? That's why the churches are just after my money. Because there are churches that are. And they went to churches. They have bad taste in their mouth about church because that's what they believe all church is about. Because they're told that they must give an offering. You know, there's many churches that this happens. As they come in and the pastor asks, how much was the offering? Well, that wasn't enough. Set it around again. Empty your pockets. Get it in there. Amen. Instead of letting God be in the direction of the giver. As the Bible says. (coughs) They believe it. Hey, mom and dad said it. It sounded good. But that's not maturity carried about with every wind of doctrine, tossed to and fro by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. By the slight of men. If you only, if you don't have maturity in Christ and know what your Bible says, then you are going to be tossed about and there's going to be the slight of men. You know what the slight of men is? Like sleight of hand. You know, magic trick. You know, the slight, what they're going to do is they're going to slide right in there and they're going to tell you something that sounds similar to what you believe, but it has a little bit of a twist to it that appeals to you. And that is very, very, very common in churches today. Because we know what to look for in the big red flag things. Oh, we know about those things. But it's not those things that trip us up. It's the little things that get in there. And guess what? I'm as human as anybody else. There's been some of those. I listen to people. It's like, oh, read this book. And they go, you know, I'm reading this book. And then I say, you know what? Yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe we do have it wrong, you know? Maybe we don't have this figured out. You know, maybe this is why, you know, the church isn't as big as I want it to be. Maybe there's these things. You know, those things appeal to the flesh. They do. And then you look at them and he said, this is what you need to do. And then they begin to say, well, yeah, this person that, you know, they, they got it wrong. And then we really have all gotten it wrong. And I, when they say, well, I found out I have it right. And then the Holy Spirit goes, alarm bell, alarm bell, alarm bell, alarm bell, red flag. Red flag. Is what they're saying from the Bible. And when they get to that point, they don't have any Bible verses to back up what they're saying. And instead, they said, well, people that they interpreted the verses this way, really, the interpretation is this. The Apostle Paul got it wrong, sorry. Now we've got to change this. 
instead of doing what God commands and following it to a T, we need to make things that work. Can I tell you something? If it works, do it. You know what that's called? Pragmatism. And that's not, the Bible is not a pragmatic book. The Bible is a true book. The Bible is the living word of God. And God brings the results. God doesn't need pragmatism to do his work. But whenever you open up an author and you listen and you begin to see pragmatism in there, just close the book and put it over here. Because that is man's answer, not God's answer. The problem with slogan-based Christianity is that you open yourself up to this false doctrine. If you believe something because it sounds or feels good to you, then someone else can come along and get you to believe something that is a lie because it sounds right, or I feel like they are telling me the truth. You know how many times I've heard that? Well, I feel like they're telling me the truth. I feel like good old Joel's telling me the truth. I feel like it. I feel it here. You know what? And... Um, and I've had people, and people are talking to me, and they're like, well, well, preacher, you know, I just feel like you're telling me the truth. I just, I just feel it. Hold on. Don't do it because you feel like I'm telling the truth. Do it because you know it, because the Bible says it. Because if you're feeling something, it's not about feelings. Feelings change, don't they? Right? You can feel one way about a vehicle you bought, and you feel different about it the next day because it did something you didn't want it to do. Right? You know, have you ever make the, made those purchases, buyer's regret? You buy something, hey, I thought it was going to work again. The next day it breaks. Try and call them up with warranty. Oh, didn't you know? You know, it's a limited warranty. Don't you hate those words, limited warranty, right? <laughs> Where it's li- basically, unless, you know, it broke in the store, they won't fix it. The problem with slogan-based Christianity is that it will toss you to and fro and it'll get you into a place instead of being mature. So how do we get there? How do we be mature? How do we correct this problem? So let's look at number three, the antidote. The antidote. Uh, the first thing is get ready to grow. Let's look at Hebrews chapter five. Hebrews chapter five, verse 13 and 14. Hebrews five. We need to grow as Christians, not, sit there, not just sit there and be spoon-fed. It's easy to sit there and be spoon-fed. It's easy to not dig into the word of God. It's easy just to come to church and let the preacher or the class or whoever, the Sunday school teacher, to do all the digging for you, but that won't cut it. We need to know the word of God for ourselves because can I just tell you something? There might be a day that your preacher's not there anymore. There'll be a day that mom and dad aren't there anymore to tell you what's right and what's wrong. Amen. So we need to be training our kids. You know, mom and dad, what should I believe? And you know what you should be doing as mom and dad? Why don't you get in the book and you find out what you believe? And by the way, and they come to, well, I believe this, mom and dad. Well, you don't believe right because the Bible word says this and this and this and this. Here's the problem. Too many kids know more about the Bible than their parents. And they have a question, a biblical question. It's like, oh, go ask your teacher. Go ask the pastor instead of mom and dad sitting down with the word of God. By the way, anybody can do that. It's not rocket science to know what the Bible says about things. Concordance is not rocket science. Amen. Using a Bible search program that we have umpteen Bible programs on our phones and we can't search out a verse. The treasury of scripture knowledge is an amazing tool. I highly recommend it to anybody. Cross references all over the Bible. Thompson Train Reference, also great, but I believe the treasury of scripture knowledge is better than that. It's wonderful. Takes you all through the Bible, about every verse that applies. Amazing. And it opens up the entire book to you. You don't have to know that that's what preacher. That's why you go to seminary. That's why you go so you can know the word of God. No, you got to know it for yourself. All seminary does, all colleges just give you tools, that's all. 
teaches you how to study, but you always, you will never stop studying if you're the right kind of Christian. You'll never stop learning. You'll never stop growing. And what I mean by study, I'm not talking about writing a doctrinal thesis, okay? But reading the Word of God daily and studying it when you don't understand something, getting in and studying it. What does this mean? And it's always interesting when you get there. Have you ever had those moments? I pray that you have. If you have it, you need to do it. Is that you're like, ha! Huh, now I understand that. I thought I, I didn't understand that the way I thought. And that's, that is so cool. Right? Whenever the Word of God just goes boom and just opens, I was like, man, that is really cool. And you know what? Uh, you go, should go tell somebody about it. Because guess what? When I do that, I get up and preach a sermon on it. Amen. Because that's how the Word of God should be, not just in the preacher's life, but everybody's life. And that's going to ground you and grow you. And then when a wind of doctrine comes along, and you're like, well, that's not right because the Bible says it's here. That's just wrong. Boop, off it goes. Click, not turning that, not listening to that. Hebrews 5.13, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, I'm not downing someone who's a babe in Christ because we all begin there. Amen. We all begin there. We love babies. But we don't love babies that are, don't grow, right? Well, we do love them, but, you know, we want them to grow. <laughs> Never mind, that sounded wrong. We do love the babies. <laughs> uh, well, we don't love about it. We, so there's something wrong if they're not growing, right? If they're eating milk and they're not growing, they're not hitting their weight targets and their size targets. There's something wrong. There's something wrong physically. Either they have a condition or they have a disease or they have something. There's something not right about that. It's natural to grow. But strong means belong to them that are full of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses. Here it is. Exercise to discern both good and evil. Here it is. If you want to know what the Word of God says, it's going to take some exercise work. And said so they're, why? They have grown to maturity because they know how to use the discern to rightly divide the word of truth and know it and they understand it through study and what? Experience. Not life experience, not street smarts, but experience in. This is what the God's word says. And then applying it, living it, they have experience in living out God's word. That's going to ground you. That's what trials are for. Trials are going to ground you if you get in the Word of God or they're going to toss you all over the place if you don't get anchored to the Word of God. On our passage, we see that we need to do what? Grow in grace. Grow. So get ready to grow. Do You don't want to be tossed about with every wind of doctrine. Then grow. Yes, believe these things, but know why you believe them. That's the second thing. Get ready to study. Get ready to grow. Get ready to study. Know why you believe what you believe. Don't take my word for it. I could be lying to you. I could be wrong. I'm not up here lying to you because that's not what I do. But I never preach on anything that I'm not fully convinced about. There are some topics that I don't go there because I'm not fully convinced exactly what the right way to approach it is. I'm not just going to preach it because I heard a preacher preach on it one time. I want to make sure that God's Word says it. 2 Timothy, 2, 5, 2 Timothy 2, verses 15 and 16. Study to show thyself approved unto the preacher. Does it say that? What does it say? God. That's where the approval comes in. 
Study to show thyself approved unto, you fill in the blank. No, we don't, we're not approving down here. Approved unto God. Study, study to show, show thyself. To show who? God. That you're grounded and mature. And God's not going to lead you into his service in a particular area until you can show yourself approved. You know what? If you go, if you're in the military and before you promote, what do you got to do? You got to show yourself approved to be able to handle the responsibilities of that rank or that grade. Right? You got to go through things. You know what? You have a private come in. Well, I want to be a general. Well, isn't that nice that you want to be a general? Isn't that wonderful? Well, you got to work your way. Well, I don't, not very many people work all the way from private to general. I don't think that happens unless you go through officer candidate school and different things like that. Or, you know, we have a first, uh, second lieutenant come in. Well, I want to be a general. You know what? I know I'm a second lieutenant, but I really, really, really want to be a general. And he goes, you know, to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He goes to General Milley, okay? He says, I really, really want to be the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Can I, can I, can I just be the, be the lead guy? Can be in charge? I really, really want that. They're like, oh, that's nice. These guys crazy. You know, so what have you done? Um, you know, I just got out of West Point. You know, I just graduated last week. So have you led any men? No. Have you won any battles? No. Do you have any experience? No. Do you have any knowledge outside of what you learned at West Point? No. You're not ready to be chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff. Now, sometimes we wonder about sometimes, <laughs> right? <laughs> we, we wonder <laughs> at times. But they don't have not shown myself approved to be able to handle that responsibility. You know what? There are times that we're asked to do things that we feel like we can't handle the responsibility or we want to desire to do something for God. We wonder why God's saying, no, 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 not yet, not yet, not yet. Make sure that you ask this question. God, have I grown and learned what I need to do to be approved and ready for the job you've given me to do? Parenting is one of the greatest responsibilities a person can have. Are we approved unto God to know what the word of God says about raising our children? I hope we do. Now, that's why we're preaching on the family, so we know what God's word says. Rightly dividing the word of truth. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more, what? ungodliness it's going to lead you down a path you don't want to go down that instability believing a lie is going to lead you down the path of ungodliness not godliness so when you're hearing things that oh well you can do this and you can do that you know just you know people have a wrong and stuffy interpretation of the Bible we can do this we can do that uh God's word says it's wrong we shouldn't do it and if someone's trying to get around it, that's a profane and vain babbling that should be just dismissed. You know what? But then what? But it makes me feel good. I've always wanted, you know, I'm, I've struggled with this, but now I can do it. No. God's word is God's word, and that's it. And if you don't know what it says, you're going to go off in that way. Number three. So first, we need to get ready to grow. Second, we need to get ready to study. Third, get ready to what? Stand. To stand. When we grow and when we study, we'll be, we will be able to defend the faith. You know, whenever we talk to people, has anybody ever thrown something at you that you didn't know the answer to? That happens a lot. Can I just tell you something? We are so stressed about why, about being thrown a curveball, not being able to give an answer about something. Can I just tell you something? Most of the people we encounter can't give an answer for what they believe either. 
A lot of people, like I talked about, slogan-based. Not Now, there are some that know. You know, you get a devout Mormon, you get a devout Jehovah's Witness or a devout Catholic. They know what they believe, but you got to know what you believe too because you know what they're going to try and do? You know what? We believe the same thing. You know, I don't understand. You know, and this is what the, especially Mormons love to do this. Oh, we're all on the same team. You know, we're Christians. You know, all Christians. You know, you have used the Bible, and that's like your undergrad degree, but we have the Book of Mormon. That's like the master's degree. You know, we just have a little bit more. But it all agrees. Can I tell you something? It doesn't. It nowhere doesn't come even close to agreeing what the Bible says. But they're taught, and they believe that it does. And then when you show them it doesn't, they're confused. They're confused. They're like, oh, well, I was taught that it agrees. It doesn't. But they try and say that, and they'll try and use these words. Well, we're all Christians anyway. We're all, even Jehovah's Witnesses do this. Oh, well, you know, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Is it not if you believe in what your doctrinal statement says, you're not a Christian? Now, are there Jehovah's Witnesses that have trusted in Christ the right way? I'm sure. Are there Mormons? Yes. Are there Catholics? Yes. But if you believe what you're taught in your meetings or church, whatever they call it, or in mass, if you believe that, you're not saved biblically. And you're not a Christian. Only saved people can be Christians. Amen. So what begins to happen? Like, yes, we all are on the same team. That's called ecumenism. Yeah, we're all in the same thing. We all believe the same thing. But if you know what the Word of God says and you know what to say, well, they believe, well, you believe this. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. It says right here. Let me take you to this chapter in this verse right here. Then you can stand and defend the faith. Paul stood and fought for his faith. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Through what? The Word of God. The Gospel. Warranty, thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Talking to Timothy, a preacher, it said, keep hold of that salvation. Keep a hold of that. And it said, fight the good fight of faith. It's a battle. But we don't like those terms. You know, it sounds so violent. It sounds so nasty. It sounds so mean. You know what it says here? That we speak the truth in what? Love. We can still speak the truth. Here's the problem with today is that the truth is not how you say it. It's just that you say the truth to people is that that's offensive. That you dare say what they're doing is wrong. But here's the thing. The same crowd that says we just need to accept everybody won't accept Christians. Go figure that. They won't accept. Why? Because you're intolerant. We don't accept you. They are supposed to accept everybody. If they believed what they said, then they would accept us even though we don't agree with them. They don't. You know why? Because it's about an absolute moral standard and a standard of truth. And they don't want that because if there's an absolute standard, there's an absolute truth, and God's word is it, then they know they're wrong. So if they accept that, and so they reject that and try and silence you and destroy that, that's what's going on in our nation today. Absolute truth doesn't have a place because it means that has implications. That means there's responsibility. That means there is a right and wrong. And as God's people, we need to show forth and shine the light of what is right and wrong according to the word of God. Don't get caught up in slogan-based Christianity. Really what that is, is laziness. Well, I go to a Bible-believing church, and I just believe what they say. You know, I believe right down the line the doctrinal statement. You know, 
I believe in it all. I can ask you a question here tonight. Don't need to raise your hand. Have you ever looked at our doctrinal statement? Some of you looked at it when you joined the church. Some of you never have. Read it. And see what we believe. And you know what? You'll see behind, by every single point, a ton of Bible verses about where that is in the Bible. That will be a great start for you. You need, everybody should know the doctrinal statement, the basic things, the virgin birth, the deity of Christ, you know, all of those things. You should know those things. You should know why the word of God's true and why it's infallible. You should know why we believe what we believe about marriage and about uh, human intimacy. All of those things. You should know what you believe about that. Not because, well, I've always believed that because it's traditional in our family. No, God says it. Because they don't accept well, that's just what I've always believed. That's what my family believes. That's what my church teaches. See, that's you're just traditional. Then it becomes a tradition of man instead of divine absolute truth. And that's where we need to stand from. Well, my church teaches this. Well, great. Their church teaches something else. See, he said, she said. Well, my church believes the Bible. Well, mine does too. <laughs> what do you do then? You go to the Word of God first. Well, God says in His Word. Can I show it to you right here? Boom, boom. Well, your Bible has errors in it. Show it to me. Here you go. I'll let you even use my Bible. Show me where there's an error. Show me. Show me right there. If depending on what Bible version they use, they will have errors in theirs. <laughs> well, I have errors in theirs, and they know when they're there. Well, that's funny. Have you ever read mine? Mine doesn't have that. Amen. Amen. Show it to me. They can't. Don't get caught up in it because if you do, then you'll be tossed around with every wind of doctrine. And God doesn't want that for us. We can't be used if we're tossed around by winds of doctrine every five minutes. We can't do that. But be grounded, be stable. Because when, as we learned this morning, when the suffering comes, when persecution comes, when the pressure is on, then that really shows you what you really, really believe. Because what you really believe, you've taken time to ground it and know it, then in the time of suffering, the time of persecution, the time of pressure, you won't waver. But if it's just a slogan, you'll discard it. Yeah, I didn't believe that really anyway. I just said it to make people happy. That's not the type of Christianity Christ wants from his church. Let's pray.